So it was back in the winter of 2020. Uh, my family and I were living in Kansas City, Missouri. And I was going through the interview process with the nomination vetting team here at Life Church. Uh, they were asking me many questions. It was mostly Sarah Johnson who was asking me the questions. Uh, I felt somewhat confident in answering these questions. And then she said, uh, does anyone else have any questions for Roger? And one of them, I can't remember who it was, I think maybe it was Dave Fournier, um, asked me, what are you afraid of? Or maybe it was like, what fears do you have? I can't remember which it was. And I thought that was a very interesting question. I've never been asked that before in an interview. Um, it was a question that I really had to think about. And I thought about it for a while. And I, I think I knew my answer instinctually, but I wasn't sure that they'd believe me. Um, so finally I said it. Nothing. Now, it was, it was a more expanded answer than that, but essentially my answer was that I wasn't afraid. And I wondered if they'd believe me. I guess they did. I'm here, right? <laughs> but since then, I've reflected uh, on why I answered that question the way that I did. Like, is that really the truth? Or was I forgetting something? Um, so my strongest spiritual gift has always been faith. Um, that's a big part of, of why I answered the way I did. Um, I would say I have a confident assurance that God's in control. Even uh, when we're in our darkest valleys, he is with us. The other thing I think uh, that made me, that's made me unafraid is this. Uh, I definitely grew up in a dark valley. Uh, I grew up in Florida, extremely poor. We were on food stamps, had an abusive alcoholic stepfather, uh, fights breaking out in my house all the time between my parents, between <laughs> the other alcoholics that they would have over. Uh, the police coming to our house was a regular occurrence. Growing up, never had money to do what the other kids were doing. Never went to the prom. Never had a class ring. Never went on the class trips. Like, did manage to get a yearbook my senior year, but I wasn't in it. Because my parents wouldn't take me to, on photo day, you know, when they're supposed to take your photo. So, like, I've had several conversations since, like, with my fellow classmates. No, I really did graduate in your class, uh, I just, my picture's not in your yearbook. I wanted to go to college, uh, but I figured I'd never get to go. Parents couldn't afford it. And no one in my family had a college degree. So there's, there's white collar workers, there's blue collar workers, and then there was us. Whatever you wanna call us, hillbilly, Redneck, that was us. And yet, here I am. College educated, I actually have two master's degrees. 
Uh, been married for 21 years now. We have one son who's about to start in college at M-State in a couple weeks. And despite coming from a very poor, very dysfunctional family, despite being a very ornery young man myself, I was definitely a prodigal, despite all of that, Jesus saved me. He transformed my life from the inside out. And he called me into ministry. So I can help others discover the Jesus who saves and the Jesus who transforms lives. Which to this day still absolutely blows my mind. That he could use me. God is faithful He seeks and saves the lost. He breaks our chains. He gives us a new identity. He gives us a new family. He is so, so, so good. With the Lord on my side, whom shall I fear? Right? But I know that's not the case with most people. Uh, We live in a world where many people are filled with fear and they're filled with anxiety. Some fear the future. They're anxious about uh, what all is going to happen. Some have anxiety over their past. Many have fear and anxiety over the things that they have no control over. Um, All the things that could happen, all the things that might happen, all the worst case scenarios, all the ways in which they might be misunderstood. All the decisions they've made, did they they make the right decision or the wrong decision? Did they do enough? Did they do too much? Did they go too far? Fear and anxiety uh, can grip our souls. And the question is, we're going to answer this morning, is what does God have to say about that? Like, how can we move away from fear and anxiety toward a confident assurance in what God has in store for us? Towards peace, towards trust in the one who is sovereign over all of the universe. So we're continuing our series on the book of Psalms today called Psalms Authentic Worship uh, with probably the most famous psalm that there is, Psalm 23. Um, The author, of course, is David again. In this psalm, David tells us what the Lord promises to do for his people. Those who've placed their trust in him as their Lord and Savior, those are are his people. So the psalm contains a number of references to the names of God. Uh, And I'm going to use those names as sort of a guiding framework to help us learn about the nature, help us learn about the character of who God is. And to help us answer that question, how can we move away from fear and anxiety towards a confident assurance in what God has in store for us? So verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David begins this psalm by picturing the Lord as our Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Rohi, our good shepherd. So this idea that the Lord is our 
good shepherd, like it is all throughout the Bible. Um, and I want to give you a few examples. So Isaiah 40, 10 and 11 says, yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. And then Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 and 12 say, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for a scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. And of course, Jesus himself refers to uh, himself as the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verses 14 through 16, says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Now, what does it mean for the Lord to be our good shepherd? Like how, how does he shepherd us? What does that even mean? So the rest of this psalm actually answers that very question. And I think as we study it through the lens of the names of God, uh, it will move us away from fear and anxiety towards a confident assurance in what God has in store for us. Building our faith, helping us find more peace. So the first thing we learn in the second half of the first verse uh, is that the Lord is our provider. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So it's the shall not want part I'm referring to. The Lord is our Jehovah Jireh, which means our provider. So you remember back in Genesis 22, uh, when the Lord commanded Abraham to sacrifice his only son Isaac, right, as a test of faith? Um, I am positive Abraham struggled to obey this. Um, but he trusted that God could raise his son from the dead. And so he obeyed the Lord and he passed the test. You know, remember the story? God spared Isaac. He provided a substitute sacrifice, a ram. Hence the name Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. That's what Abraham named that place where this all took place, Jehovah Jireh. Psalm chapter 34, verses 9 and 10 Say this, fear the Lord, you, his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. The Lord knows our every need, right? We talk about having faith. You gotta have faith. So faith is not just a mental ascent. Um, it is not just believing the right thing. F 
Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So living a life of faith is obeying Jesus. It's following where he leads and trusting that he is the Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, even when it doesn't make sense. So I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because I think it's a good illustration of God's provision. Um, So in 2006, we were living in Illinois and uh, I was interviewing for pastor positions at four churches, uh, one there in Illinois, one in Ohio, one in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and one in Kansas City, Missouri. Now, uh, I'm originally from Florida. My wife's uh, originally from Ohio. We met in grad school back in Illinois in 95. Um, So we figured we'd probably either go to Ohio or Virginia or stay in Illinois. Like either, either move closer to our family, we're already far away from our family, either move closer to our family or just stay where we were. Kansas City was like this long shot thing because we didn't want to move further away from everybody we knew and like we didn't know anybody there. So Jackie and I went to all four of these churches and interviewed. Um, they do that because, you know, The dude can say whatever he wants, but if you want the real truth, you know, he asks the wife, right? (laughs) Uh, So even though it didn't make sense, it was super clear that we were supposed to go to Kansas City. Um, And the Lord even confirmed it in some supernatural ways. Um, We felt like we were supposed to obey. We felt like we were supposed to go. Um, moving further away from our family, our friends, to a place where we didn't know anyone. Now, if you ask me sometime, uh, I'll tell you what some of those supernatural confirmations were, but, but here is one of them that happened after we said yes to going. So it was, uh, I was in my first week on staff at this church in Kansas City, it's a spring of 2007. And this couple comes up to us in the, in the lobby on Sunday morning uh, before church and says this to us. God told us last night, you're supposed to live in our house. We are like, who are these crazy people? <laughs> so come to find out, uh, they... they owned some rental properties and God had told them like that night that they were supposed to let us live in one of them free of charge. Now at the time, nobody, nobody knew this, uh, but Jackie and I had all kinds of like credit card debt and we had student loans, uh, a lot of debt. And we definitely couldn't afford to buy a house. We were looking for like something like an inexpensive apartment to rent, and I I think we were even going like that afternoon to go look for one. So I went to my senior pastor at the time uh, and told him what had happened. I wanted to get his take on it. I wanted to uh, 
get his permission if he felt like it was an okay thing. Um, he told me that this couple was solid. They were marriage mentors in the church. They served on the marriage ministry team. Uh, they served on the budget team, not budget for the churches, but like a budget ministry, like helping people with their finances. So long story short, uh, we moved into their house. Uh, it was a 900 square foot, two bedroom, one bathroom house. Uh, we lived rent free for a couple years. Uh, then we insisted on paying something, and so we paid for the third year, uh, 400 a month. And uh, not only did this couple help us save money for a down payment on a home, um, and this was hard, but when we were humble enough to sit down with them and just lay out before them our financial mess that we'd made, uh, and we asked them for counsel, um, they helped us to consolidate that debt. They helped us come up with a budget and start living by that budget. And they helped us come up with a plan to start paying off our debt. It took a few years, but we paid off all of it. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He knows every need that we have. Even the ones that, like, we don't even think we have. He knows it all. All right, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So we see here that the Lord is our Jehovah Shalom, our peace. So this goes back uh, in the Old Testament to Judges chapter 6 when God showed himself to Gideon. Um, you may recall uh, from reading scripture that in general, it is a dangerous thing to see God up close. Right? Gideon was afraid he would die because he saw God. Um, but God assured him that he wouldn't. And so Gideon built an altar where he saw God, and he called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. So it's in Judges 6, verses 22 to 24. It says, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. So true peace, true peace is only found in one place. Um, it is found in relationship with God and it is found in the presence of God. And God made that peace possible, of course, by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who is the prince of peace, that's one of his titles, the Prince of Peace. And through his death and his resurrection, he made peace between us and God. Paul says it in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place 
of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And the peace, or the shalom of God, um, that David is talking about here, is holistic. Meaning, it brings peace to all areas of our lives. That's why Paul tells us not to worry, but he says instead to focus and center and place our trust in the Lord. Right? He says it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, verse 3, the first part of verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. So the Lord is our Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Um, the name Jehovah Rapha goes back to Exodus chapter 15, uh, verse 26. God says this to the people of Israel. He says, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands, keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So there's, the, there's a natural healing that a body does. I talked about that last week. It's evidence of God's common grace that we all have, that the body actually heals itself. There's emotional healing. We see uh, when there is forgiveness. We see when there are bondages and strongholds in our lives that are broken. There is miraculous healing that we sometimes see in answer to prayer. Um, and then there is the complete eternal healing that we will receive in the resurrection. Those of us who've placed our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. So imagine if the Lord didn't heal us. Like some, sometimes we take healing for granted. But any healing um, is a blessing that we should be thankful for. David said this in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3. He said, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Okay, the second half of verse 3 uh, says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, so the Lord is our Jehovah Tzidkenu, which means our righteousness. And he leads us down the path of righteousness. So the prophet Jeremiah promised that the Messiah would come and that he would be called our righteousness. Um, it says in Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16, 
The day will come, says the Lord, when I will do for Israel and Judah all the good things I have promised them. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. In that day, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this will be its name, the Lord is our righteousness. And of course, Jesus fulfills that uh, messianic prophecy. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.30. He says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And Jesus, through his death on the cross, not only fully justified those of us who are in Christ, but through the work of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, he sanctifies us. Those are big theological words, justifying and sanctifying. But what that means is that because of Jesus' perfect sacrifice um, for our sins, if we have placed our faith in him, we are immediately declared righteous before God. And we are being made more holy day by day, more Christ-like, as we submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit who now dwells within us. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are made righteous not through our own efforts, not through our good moralism, not through going to church a lot, being good. We are made righteous because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And everything we do after that is out of thankfulness for what Jesus Christ has already done for us. And we're only able to do it because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the Lord is our Jehovah Shammah, our God who is there with us. Jehovah Shammah is the name of God that promises us his presence. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And then Psalm 118.7 says, the Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. So the Lord will shield us when we are in the dark valleys. He will shield us when we are facing the shadow of death. We see this again in Joshua 1.5 says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Did you notice that in Psalm 23, um, that it is the shadow, not death itself, 
that we fear, right? It's often the unknown that we fear the most. We like to be in control. We like to, we like to know what's coming ahead of us. Uh, we tend to, in general, we tend to want to walk mostly under our own power, making our own decisions. And then every once in a while, we check in with Jesus. But the Christian walk is actually more like this. I've used this analogy before, and I think it's a good one. I'll use it again. So imagine you're standing out in a field, like a big open field. And there's like a, a big fog bank, like covering half the field. It's like fog. And out of the fog comes Jesus. He's like walking towards you. And he reaches out his hand, and you take it. And then he leads you back into the fog. Now, once you're in the fog, uh, you can't see more than about a foot in front of you. But you're holding his hand, and he's leading the way. Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there with us. We don't know where we're going, but we know that he is there with us. Often it's easy to just slip back into fear and wanting to be in control, wanting to be in the know. And the enemy uses this fear of the unknown as a tool to like paralyze us and just render us ineffective. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if it's not God that I'm following? What if it's just me? It's just something I made up in my head. So I've gotten that question many times over the years. Like, what, how do I know I'm just not going off the rails? This is just something I came up with. Here's how I respond to that. God loves you so much. Absolutely. Do you think that if you're trying to put him first and you are trying to follow his leading, do you think he's just going to leave you hanging? No, absolutely not. You say, Lord, I am living my life for you. I need you to point me in the right direction. I will go wherever you send me. I will do whatever you tell me, but I need you to lead me. Do you think he's going to leave you hanging? No. He will. He will meet you in that place. I've seen him over and over and over again do this in people's lives. People who are fully surrendered to the Lord and willing to do whatever he says and to go wherever he leads. And this idea, too, that like we need to be afraid of death. Jesus came for that very reason. Like, if we are in Christ, we have no reason whatsoever to fear death. None. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 say the following. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. 
For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. So if death is already defeated, what do we have to fear? Notice also in this verse that the Lord as our shepherd um, uses a rod and a staff to comfort us. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So these are the tools of the shepherd. Shepherd uh, uses these tools to care for the sheep. The rod uh, is useful for helping the sheep, like they fall off a cliff or they like fell into some rocks or a pit or something. And the staff is used to like ward off or even kill the sheep's enemies, like whack them with the staff kind of thing. So the rod and the staff represent God's care and they represent God's protection for his children. So verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So the Lord is our Jehovah Nissi, our banner. The Lord will fight for us while we feast on his blessings. This is the name that Moses gave the altar um, that he made after the Israelites defeated the Amalekites. So if you remember, Moses was standing on top of a hill um, where he could see the armies below and they're like fighting each other. And in his hand, hands, he held the staff, right? The same staff that he had struck on the rock to uh, bring forth water, right? And it says, as long as Moses held his hands up, right, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites started winning. Remember the story? So he's holding it up probably hours, like his arms start getting tired. Um, Then his brother Aaron, this other dude named Hur, come up and like holding his arms up so they don't fall, right? Which incidentally is a good picture of the value of intercessory prayer. Beautiful picture. Um, those of you who are regularly praying for this church, for our staff, for the elders, um, I just want to take a moment and thank you for holding our arms up. Because that's, that's that picture right there. So anyway, after the Israelites won the battle, Moses built an altar and he named it Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. So the Lord is committed to blessing us. He is committed to helping us win our battles um, as we put our faith and our trust in him with our whole heart, right? We can only truly be victorious as we honor the name of the Lord and as we rally to him um, as our banner. Um, He actually promised to strengthen us as we acknowledge his presence in our life. Um, This literally is the secret to the Apostle Paul's victorious life. The Lord was with him, and the Lord anointed him for victory. He says it in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. 
What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can never be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Then he says in Philippians 4.13, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And so the last verse of Psalm 23 says the following, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, the Lord is our Jehovah Rohi, our good shepherd, but uh, not just now, but for all eternity. David started this psalm by telling us uh, that the Lord is our good shepherd. And then he concludes by going back to that same imagery, except now the Lord's caring for us uh, will extend into eternity. The blessings of the Lord will extend beyond this life into the life that is to come. Those who put their faith and their trust in the Lord, um, even though they may die physically, will continue to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, um, eternally enjoying the presence of God. Jesus himself said this in John 10, 27 through 30. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. So I want to encourage you this morning. Um, at the end of the service each week, we always offer prayer to anyone who needs it. Um, if you're in need of any kind of financial provision, material provision, spiritual provision, um, at the end of the service, I want you to come forward for prayer. The Lord is our Jehovah Jireh, right? He will supply all of your needs. The cool thing that just continues to build our faith is that when we step out in obedience, we step out in following where he's leading, and then we have these cool stories of him meeting us in supernatural ways. It continues to build our faith and it makes us want to do that more and it makes us want to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to do the same. God wants to supply all of your needs. If you, secondly, if you are feeling uh, anxious or fearful or worried, come forward for prayer. The Lord is our Jehovah Shalom, and he wants to give you his peace. If you are sick, whether it is physically, emotionally, spiritually, the Lord is our Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. He still heals today. Come forward. We want to pray for you. Um, if you're not sure where you stand before God, like, if you don't have the confidence of assurance, like, of where you will go after you die, like, you're still wondering, the Lord is our Jehovah Tzidkenu. He is our righteousness. He is our Savior. 
come forward and we want to pray for you. Um, if you are in a dark valley, if you are facing the shadow of death, the Lord is our Jehovah Shammah. Um, he is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Come forward. At the end of the service, we want to pray for you. If you are facing an enemy today, whether it's a person, whether it's a group of people, or whether it's the devil himself, uh, the Lord is our Jehovah Nissi. Uh, he is the banner, he is our banner of victory. Come forward at the end of the service, we want to pray for you. So if any of those resonated with you, um, I would encourage you to come forward at the end of the service and get prayer. The Christian life um, is not just hearing the word of God proclamated. It must be accompanied with a response. Otherwise, we just, our ears grow dull and we stop hearing. And so as we worship um, over the next few songs, I would encourage you to talk to the Lord and see what he would want you to get prayer for. And even ask him, is there an area in your life um, where he's kind of poking at you? Something that he's, uh, he's wanting to do in your life and maybe you've been a little resistant. The beautiful thing is to see God's people um, walk in faith uh, in relationship with a God who still does miracles today. Um, but so much of that is stepping into, stepping into that fog, <laughs> taking his hand and stepping into that fog. Where's it going? I don't know. You don't know. What do I know? What do you know? Jehovah Shammah. God is with us. That's all that matters. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you that you provide for all of our needs, both in this life and the next. Uh, thank you that we are under your careful watch that we are safe and secure, that you shield us, you protect us from harm, from the enemy. Thank you that you are a God who still heals and restores, that you still seek and save the lost. You are the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Father God, help us to be sensitive to the voice of our good and great shepherd, Jesus. Help us to have the kind of faith that trusts Jesus enough to follow him even when we can't see where he's leading, even when it doesn't make sense in the natural realm. Help us to follow him all the days of our life so that we may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.